0: Where do you put your alliances in? Like if you're Julia. Yes. Okay. Yep. So, your fave? My favorite, this is my favorite game. She loves Tom Hanks? Yes. She loves Brad Pitt. Yes. They're Tom Hanks and Brad Pitt are in the same category. Right. What does Julia do? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices I am Lainey. I am the creator of LaineyGossip.com and a talk show host and an entertainment reporter and a devoted Celine Dion fan who's about to have her first Celine experience. I'm Duanna Taha. I am a television
2: screenwriter and producer and I have secret fantasies about
0: Saturday Night Live. On this episode where we talk about work because we always talk about work because this show is about our obsession with work. We talk about the work of award shows and which award shows matter more. And generally the hierarchy of all the award shows that we're about to be processing this award season. We will have
2: the answer to how many times do they need to congratulate themselves, these entertainment people. Plus, we will go into jennifer lopez's appearance on saturday night live it was highly anticipated so
0: how did it go we'll dive into the reaction and finally we just saw the first trailer for wonder woman 1984 and yeah we're excited we are excited to dig into
2: it all the work behind the work of your favorite stars and shows let's get to work this is show your work
0: I have to refocus because right before you hit record, I was organizing my Celine Dion merch. Oh, you mean <laughs> uh, in anticipation of? My first ever Celine Dion live experience. Uh, oh, your first ever? Yes. Never okay. been. Right.
2: Have you? I actually think I saw her like circa her first English album. She might have played Canada's Wonderland, which is like uh, like playing Six, Six Flags. Flags, yeah, uh, or somewhere like that. Like I saw her for two songs, maybe it was a Juno Awards. Anyway, a long time ago, uh, a long, long time ago,
0: but not like this. Well, I'm going. Yes. Um, by the time you all listen to this, I will have already gone, but a friend of mine who I'm going with is actually going to both nights in Toronto. He's going to the first night. And then he and I are going to the second night together. So he's there right now looking at the merch stand. And our whole thing is that we're going to go tomorrow wearing the merch he gets tonight. So I have a
2: few things to say about that. Number one, uh, the reason I'm not going with you is because you and he, when the tickets dropped in what, March? Long time ago. They got too rich for my blood real fast. I had some other expenses and I was like, I got to go.
0: Celine makes you poor.
2: But this same friend, we should just call him out. Hi, Ian. Hi, Ian. Uh, we were going to go a couple of years ago, remember? And to Montreal. We that's right. And we couldn't go. No. And he and our other friend, Paula, brought back the greatest mugs ever known. That is the mug I use every day at work. Every day. My Celine Dion mug, the handle broke off through like a dishwasher catastrophe and I still use it. It's the best mug and it keeps… Because it is a perfect cylinder and like long and tall,
0: it Mm -hmm. keeps everything so hot. I love my mug, um, but of course I have a mug. I don't have Celine on my body. Right. And I have just spent $130 on a hoodie through him. Right. Which I will be wearing during the performance and I will sing… Every song. Of course you will.
2: And yes. I'm sure that you are also texting him about what, what should we get for Duanna? Um I <laughs> <No>. should <laughs> no? yeah, there's still time. <laughs> I think though that you'd agree that I have good luck with merch. Mm-hmm. Um I am really happy with merch I've bought at various uh places for me, but also for you. Uh the the Hamilton toque that I picked up for you. My favorite. That I had to say beanie. Or maybe I said toke and they knew what yeah. I meant. And I was like, oh, look at you guys. And then by
0: the time um, we
2: went together, they weren't selling them anymore. That's right. Um, it's a it's a good one. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah, my I remember walking in once in a a hacked Beyoncé sweater, not the most famous hacked Beyonce sweater, right. but a, a predecessor. And you were like, what is that sweatshirt? Yeah. Um, I have good luck with merch. I feel good about merch. Um So, I I await whatever surprise is awaiting
0: me. Well, I await Celine uh, tomorrow when I'm going to take it to mean that she is personally serenading me. Although, even though this is not going to be done on time, we live in a city that… Like, we love this city. We were both both born in Toronto. Absolutely. I'm about to shit on it because sometimes our city thinks it's too cool for things like standing up and cheering for a long, long, long time. You know that if you cheer long enough, she'll cry? I'm sure. And I don't have the confidence that Toronto's going to do that, that Toronto's going to be one of those cities where the people cheer long enough to make her cry. If I'm there… Tomorrow night, and the people don't fucking cheer long and loud enough to make Celine Dion cry, I will yell I will yell at Toronto. Okay, well, I just
2: want to counterpoint, because uh, as you were describing that, I'm sitting here and going, oh, I would be tired. Like, I want her to cry, but I, I get tired from standing and yelling. Do so- you know
0: what happens when she cries? Like… There are things that happen. She says things. Like she fairies acts get cer- their wings? Yeah. She acts a certain way. She, like, you don't know what's going to come out of her mouth. Well, you n- never do, really. But when she cries, there is a chance of something so gloriously unexpected and unpredictable that could happen. And these two cool-for-fuck people, But that's if what they I'm- deprive me of this
2: experience… All I'm suggesting is that they might not be too cool. They might just be lazy.
0: Or, like, they haven't
2: worked on their lung capacity enough.
0: How can you be lazy going to a Celine Dion concert? Like, I'm expecting… We all know who she is, right? She is the most extra of the extras. Uh, Nobody needs
2: to… The review here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, you don't go to this woman's show lazy. Nobody's lackadaisical here. This is not Radiohead. This is not like, you know, we're here to, I don't know, be fucking uh, chilly, pitchforky, Um, that's the website I mean, about the music. We are here to not give a fuck and just be as extra and into our feelings and earnest as possible. No space for lazy.
2: Uh, Look, I love all of what you're saying. I'm just… sometimes what you're saying
0: sounds like a cardio event. So that's, uh, that's all I have to say about that. Let me leave you with this. I want Toronto to be Anne Hathaway tomorrow night and not James Franco. That is a beautiful ending to a beautiful sentiment. I should leave
2: it there, but… Of course you can't. I can't. Of course you can't. Well, no, I can't because uh, I didn't do this in retaliation, but now that you mention it, maybe I did. Uh, Today, around 3 o'clock, I put two reminders in my phone to go off at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. on January 18th. Okay. Which is the day that the Ivy Park collaboration Uh with Adidas drops. And I thought to myself… That is also marked on my calendar. Well, I thought I should invite Elaine in a nerdy, like, business way. Right. But I didn't do it. And so now that you're not acquiring me any merch, I feel a little (laughs) bit justified in having left you out of my uh, important…
0: Oh, I… Yes. On it, I already have five things marked that I desperately need. I hope my size doesn't get taken up. But my you don't feet even, are like the most common size. You don't even know… first of all, cry me a river. I'm not sad about your feet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but like don't you think there are going to be more surprises revealed? Like there's no
0: way that was the best of it. I know. And now I'm like… I'm worried about… like I actually don't even want to schedule anything. I'm worried I'm going to be like assigned to a shoot so I feel like I should email the co- coordinator and block off that whole morning for me. I believe it's a Saturday. Really? I think. Okay. January 18th, checking now. Oh, stand by. I'm being asked for a size for my hoodie. Why don't you carry on while I order my merch?
2: (laughs) Sure. This is show your merch uh, hosted by (laughs) Duanna um, and an interloper who uh, occasionally (laughs) criticizes me for making the merch my own.
0: Got it. I've ordered my size. We are checking January 18th, the day for Beyoncé, Ivy Park, and Adidas. It is indeed a Saturday. What a generous queen. Right? She really… Yeah. I mean, yes. She decided that she knew she couldn't take up our work day, and thank you, Beyoncé, once again. Of course, I will be standing by um, ordering the way we did Hamilton a few weeks ago. And just so
2: we know that… She really does feel me and loves me. Uh, In the interview that's in Elle that went to promote this collaboration, she said that her favorite word was why. And that, of course, is my
0: favorite word, so… I know. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Beyonce, how about this as a segue? Beyonce was just nominated for a Golden Globe. Hey, nice work. Thank you. Uh, For Spirit, the song she wrote for The Lion King, Mm -hmm. not sure she's going to show up, but… That is bringing us to a bigger conversation about the Globes and, uh, yeah, what they did or didn't do this year. Right. Because do
2: you think, is award season more feverish this year because there are better contenders or because it's more compressed or both? It feels as though there's more to watch that everybody is legit excited about and that there's more sort of… Kerfufflings about
0: snubs or lack thereof? I think both. There's no clear frontrunner. I think that there are, yeah, contenders that are emerging in the lead, but I don't <laughs> think anyone's like running away for, with it. Um, so there's that for sure. Yeah. And then, yeah, it does seem like everybody's a little bit panicky because the Oscars moving up moved everybody else up. I feel really, I feel really discombobulated. I feel. Like, there's literally no time for the Globes. For the Globes, it's, you know, we go and take a break for Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. And again, we've talked about how the we do, the industry
2: as a whole kind of does. It's basically shut down. By the end of this week, there's no business happening. No.
0: And, and then, then, yeah. And then we kind of take our break. Then we usually get a week in January a to… A solid week, yeah, Yeah, to get our bearings, and then the following weekend, oh, yay, it's Globes, everybody gear up again. There's none of that this year. No, the Golden Globes are January 5th, set it in your calendars,
2: and the Critics' Choice Awards are on January the 12th. Yeah. And somewhere in there, the SAG Awards fits in, right? Yeah. They're always before the Oscars. Correct. And I will find out as we speak exactly when they are. But um, but it does seem like it's much more of a fever pitch, which
0: that can't be bad. It It's not bad, I think, for whatever, audience fatigue. I think for the work that the people have to do in the industry to campaign and market and do all, all their things. Plus, uh, you know, think about the behind the scenes of the dresses. I know. I... And all of that. Because… The Globes, as you said, the Globes, it goes Globes, Critics, SAGs, BAFTA, Grammys on the same… at the same time, usually, there's a Super Bowl thrown in there, and then the week right after the Super Bowl is the Oscars. All of that happens in essentially four and a half weeks. That's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. And did we ever come to
2: a verdict on why exactly it is? Uh, That is to say, I had it in my head that it was because of the Olympics in some way… But is that actually true? No.
0: There's no Olympics winter.
2: No, but I thought it was everything was being shoved back because of the broadcast schedules in the summer that would somehow bump
0: everything uh, a week or two earlier. No, I mean, it was the Academy wrestling with whether or not the award season is too long. Do you remember back in the day? It used to be in March. And like late March. Late March. Yes. And then for the last little while that we've known it to be, it's at the end of February. And some people still thought that that season, that people were getting fatigued. So they moved it up by two weeks. But next year, they go back to regularly scheduled programming at the end of February. So this year, I don't know if it was an experiment or, um, I don't know, like they just decided to like fucking try it out, but they're not sticking with it. I wonder if it's because it's leap year.
2: Like, (laughs) is there something about February 29th that means that it can't work the same way? I have
0: no idea. I' mean, don't I've done it on the year
2: before. I don't want to hear it. I love it. Um, so here's a, a truncated calendar. January 5th it's the Golden Globes. January 7th it's the New York Film Critics Circle, which is not big, but all these things sort of get more inflated as yeah. we go along. January 12th is the Critics Choice Awards. January 13th the next day is the Oscar nominations. Uh, January 18th is the Producers Guild Awards, January 19th the Screen Actors Guild Awards, January 25th the Directors Guild of America Awards, the DGAs, January 26th is the Grammys, Uh, January 25th is also the Cinematographers, Uh, January 28th is the Costume Designers Guild, and February 1st Writers Guild, February 2nd is the BAFTAs, and February 8th the... Independent Spirit Awards, and February 9th, the Oscars.
0: Mm-hmm. And then remember, in between there is the Super Bowl. Uh,
2: February 2nd.
0: Whatever. I I'm, I'm,
2: I will be a passive uh, participant in the Super yeah. Bowl. The,
0: no, but the reason why is because everybody steers clear of that, right? Sure. Yeah. But put another
2: way… Those are all the events that you might need an outfit for. Yeah. And the Super Bowl, hopefully, is a blessed event where you are in your sweatpants, if you're in the mix this year.
0: Yep. So, um, except for Jennifer Lopez. Um, <laughs> Stand by on that one. Yeah. So, the Golden Globes, we've determined tight schedule. You know, your question, it gets goes back to your question, is it because this year is so frenetic because of the schedule and because of the races? and The answer is yes and yes. Yeah, which, I mean, great. You know, if we're going to
2: have to get it up and keep it up, your phrase is always, this is our Super Bowl, this is what we train for. Mm -hmm. It is much better not to have it drag over a two-month marathon. Yeah. It's going to be faster and more
0: intense. That's right. And arguably, at least on the film side, you're rushing to see everything. I mean, some films haven't opened yet. Yeah. Um, and
2: the list, I made my list today and it's getting only longer. Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm sure that as I read that list of all the awards that were happening, um, that they start to blend together for a lot of people. But the awards have really kind of different personalities in a way, Right. Uh, there are superficial ones like the Golden Globes involves TV, as do the BAFTAs, but then other… And the SAGs. Right. That Right. And the SAGs is only actors. There's no writing. There's no producing awards. It's literally only for the Screen Actors Guild. But I wonder whether you think, especially in view of the nominations for Critics' Choice and Golden Globes coming out uh, one day apart and fairly different, do you think that there are like, different personalities to these awards? Or if there are and we've always known them, do you think they're changing?
0: I think that this year, more than ever, the personalities were matched. Like, people lived up to… or not people, but the boards or the associations lived up to their stereotype. The Golden Globes, for example, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which determines the Golden Globes, they're known as your wacky aunt. Or weird uncle. Like, they're a bit extra. They're eccentric, extra. um, They're always going to be offbeat. They're the ones who swan in to the family gathering and um, have a ridiculous story to tell. But then sometimes,
2: as you've pointed out in particular, sometimes the Globes is almost uh,
0: prescient in in what they highlight. Right, because your weird uncle or wacky aunt, they'll have like one… Piece of news that they heard from somewhere or someone about the new stock to buy or the best new store or whatnot. So I think we have talked about this. The Golden Globes often are better at the Emmys at anointing the new buzzy show. Right. Because the Emmys
2: was and has been for a long time. It's changing now, but it was really concerned with… Uh, You know, network metrics and what gets great ratings and what is seen to be the most vaunted, celebrated show as opposed to what
0: people are actually watching and loving. Yeah. And also, I think, you know, if we're talking about personalities or what roles each of these awards play in the industry, the Emmys is a much bigger voting body and it includes people who work across all facets of the industry from the people on crew to producers to writers to ex-producers, whereas the Golden Globes are literally just 90 or so international journalists and no one really knows who they are. They're like this mystery outfit. So for the Emmys, let's say one of the perennial shows from the last 20 years, the West Wing used to win over and over and over again, right? Constantly. I love that show, but even I thought it was a little bit boring Right. for it to win over and over again. Well, it's… It's a lot of it to do with the fact that the cast and the crew and the whole team of the West Wing has their own friends within the Emmy's voting board who also are sort of, you know, voting by community block. Yeah. And if you're a
2: member of an academy, so I don't know about the Hollywood Foreign Press, but if you're a member of a television academy or the uh the, Impass, the Television and Film Academy, um, you tend to be able to continue in that academy for as long as you want, provided you pay your dues, provided you are a current member. Yeah. So you're right. There could be people who worked with others 20 years ago, but they're like, ah, I like that guy, I like that, you know, whoever, Marty Sheen, and they mark down his name regardless of what new is happening.
0: That's right. I don't think I
2: knew, though, that the Hollywood Foreign Press was so small that it's only 90
0: people. 90 or so. That's a very specific number. It's a really small pool of people. Um, And again, international journalists. They're… A lot of people would say they're, like, random. You know, (laughs) it's… They're a random collection of people from around the world who meet once in a while in L.A. And… They, in the past, had a little bit of a tainted reputation Mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, getting wined and dined. So there are different rules around the campaigning. I'm just gonna… Let's let's pull it out a little bit. We're not calling out anybody in particular, but you
2: mean that there was like… it was possible to maybe put your thumb on the voting scale by…
0: Sure. With as much money as you have, you could throw as many parties and invite them, and they get charmed by the movie stars who show up. They really love their stars. Well, I have
2: to give you immense credit because on this show a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, you said that you felt uh, that while nobody was watching or talking about On Becoming a God in Central Florida, that the Hollywood foreign press would give a nomination to Kirsten Dunst because they love Kirsten Dunst. Easy, yeah. And you called it and it happened. Here's the thing. You might think that I'm saying she doesn't deserve that nomination. She bloody well does. 100%. And in five years when you all watch it, like, you'll be like, oh, that bitch on that podcast was always
0: ranting about that. She was right. But… she's She absolutely deserves it. And that was an easy prediction for me. She deserves it. They love her. No problem. But
2: by contrast, she did not get a Critics' Choice nomination. No. So how
0: is the Critics' Choice Awards different? Okay, so the critics are typically broadcast journalists. It used to be the Broadcast Critics Awards, remember? And now they've merged it. The critics' choice are now, like, um, writing critics and broadcast critics. In other words, like the person at the end of the local news
2: who says, and now if you're going to the movies with Rob this weekend… That's Right.
0: Right. So from Kansas and Wisconsin, and they get invited to screen movies and interview the stars for the two-minute piece on the local news. Right. A lot of them are those. Yeah. Often the same people who are Mm -hmm. writing the Rotten Tomatoes reviews, right?
2: Like all of a sudden you find yourself reading a review from the Salt Lake Tribune. That's right. And you're like, oh, okay, good for you, Salt Lake. I could
0: be a broadcast critic. I am on a broadcast. Mm -hmm. I do also get invited to these things. And membership could be available to me. I haven't sought it out, but for sure I could. And… Just to
2: get real nitpicky about the word broadcast, do you think that if I, uh, say, was a well-respected reviewer on YouTube, would I be excluded? Because that doesn't count as being, like, a legitimate medium? I don't think that they're there yet, but I
0: certainly think it is growing. I bet that that is a conversation that's about to happen. Like, Rotten Tomatoes probably wasn't a a thing 20 years ago, and Rotten Tomatoes has great representation now. Absolutely. So, the critics… Are not your cookie uncle or aunt. They are the people who want to be taken very seriously as film connoisseurs, television connoisseurs, proper critics. I mean, I gotta sort of smirk because what we're talking on
2: both levels about people, the Hollywood Foreign Press and the, the broadcast critics or whatever. Yeah. They're both people who write about entertainment. Yes. So what we're distinguishing between here almost is tone.
0: Yes. It's tone. And the Critics' Choice Awards really take themselves seriously as being a harbinger of Oscars. Okay. So they really want to be known as the organization. If you win a Critics' Choice, the Critics' Choice, the critics predict who are the favorites for the Oscars. They like to be in line with what the Academy will select. Whereas
2: the Golden Globes are… Not always a predictor. True?
0: Not always a predictor. Sometimes. It's it's sometimes. It's actually quite inaccurate for people to think whoever wins the Globe will go on to win the Oscar. Right. What's more accurate is whoever wins Globes might have a better chance at being nominated for an Oscar. But the win is no. That is not… They often don't line up. I'm
2: not going to bore us with the nomination windows, but one of the things that's interesting is that the voting for the Oscars… Doesn't close until after the Golden Globes have happened.
0: That's right. So voters can be swayed in theory. Correct. By That's why speeches are important. That's why showing up is important, right? So if you win a Golden Globe, you are presenting yourself really to the Oscar voter. Here's what I would say on that Oscar stage. Ooh. You give me that opportunity. I'm auditioning here at the Globes for you. Who was it? I think it was Allison Janney.
2: Do you remember? Was it for I, Tonya? Mm-hmm. Who had just a series of amazing speeches. Oh, yeah. I think her Golden Globe speech was amazing. Yeah. And then ultimately, by the final speech in the run, it was… it wasn't like it wasn't a good speech, but it was not the… it was not the bangers that had been… like almost her Golden Globe speech was the best one of the lot.
0: Yeah. Yes? It often is like that. You know… You know what maybe the most memorable one in recent history would be is, all right, all right, all right, happened at the Golden Globes. <sighs> <laughs> uh, now, now it's coming oh, to you, right?
2: Yeah. Like, look, I the speech itself I have no problem with. Matthew McConaughey did that in earnest, and I believe it to have been how he felt in the moment. But… All the knockoffs of "all right, all right, all right." It's in fact you're hitting on a pet peeve I didn't know I had. I hate when speeches become uh, pop culture phrases. Mm-hmm. I hate you like me. You really like me. Uh, I hate. What else do I hate? Um. You hate, ladies and gentlemen. Have you met my friend Rob Marshall? <laughs> Uh, that was Renee Zellweger winning for, uh, winning the Golden Globe mm-hmm. for uh, Chicago.
0: And I should mention before the know-it-alls come, come at us, uh, I mean, all right, all right, all right is something he'd been saying uh, like before. It's just on the Golden Globes, that's like the most elevated stage, right? And that's when it became… A catchphrase. A catchphrase and, and, not
2: just, and a meme and a whatever. Yeah, not just his catchphrase, that's but right. a catchphrase. Yeah. Please don't make people's earnest and authentic speeches into a goddamn meme, Mm -hmm. especially in the wake of… Oscar, like in the wake of award season, if we're… all we're talking about between January and February is the movies, I can't hear whatever Golden Globes catchphrase happens out of nowhere for another six weeks straight. Please have mercy on us.
0: All right. So what we're talking about is, yeah, what the Globes represent um, in relation to the Oscars. So no… Globe winners don't necessarily go on to win Oscars, but they could go on to win or to get nominations. And Critics' Choice uh,
2: winners, historically you're saying, do win Oscars. It it lines up more accurately. And so what is the takeaway, though? What's interesting about that is to me, for television, the Critics' Choice Award is seen as a nice get… But a Golden Globe for TV is a bigger deal.
0: For TV? Yes. A Golden Globe is a bigger deal for TV than an Emmy? No, an Emmy is still the gold standard. Yeah.
2: But considering that you just said that the Critics' Choice Awards is like, they're like the smart kid in the class, right? Like they don't necessarily, they're not so showy, but they're going to get it right is your point. They're the eager beaver in class. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's they're the cousin they're the cousin who shows up at the family dinner who wants to please everybody, right? But they also are correct, and yet the
2: the Golden Globe they everybody cares more about the Golden Globe, yeah. Than the the anointment of the Golden yeah. Globe, particularly for television and for film, yeah, seems to matter more. No, the Emmys is still the gold standard. I mean, to extend the metaphor, the Emmys is you know the kids out smoking in the in the back of the high school because uh it's so far away from everybody else that's yeah. all i mean by that or by by virtue of that that's the 12-year-old cousin who just doesn't come up from the basement yeah. right who's just watching his ipad but yeah there's something interesting about the idea that the critic's choice is sort of the the forgotten stepsister that like
0: yeah isn't
2: isn't as well regarded
0: critic's choice is andrea zuckerman Yeah, that's… yeah, I appreciate that. And, I mean, if you were going with that, then… I don't know. Listen, that is… I I don't know. I don't want to extend that metaphor except to say that maybe the Golden Globes might be Steve Sanders. (laughs) (laughs) You know who would love that? Steve Sanders. He would be happy to be called the Golden Globes. Right. So, yeah. So, and then we haven't even talked about the
2: SAGs. Well, the SAGs are… I guess their purpose is more clear. Right? Yeah. Like if I was playing the grumpy uncle at one of these family dinners, I would say, what are these people? How many awards can they give themselves? They over and over, they're rewarding themselves night after night. But the SAG Awards, it's very clear what they're doing, right? Yeah. It's actors saying, hey, actor, Mm -hmm. we see you. Yeah. Maybe the, whatever, the music didn't make it an Oscar winning film. Yeah. Maybe the distribution wasn't as wide, so not as many people are going to vote for you. But we see you, actors. Yeah.
0: And they used to say that the SAGs were quite accurate at predicting the acting Oscars. Interesting. Um, But there have been, like, there have been discrepancies between the SAGs and the Oscars. Recently, that comes like, right off the top of my head would be um, the year Casey Affleck won the Oscar Mm. for Manchester by the Sea, Denzel Washington won the SAG. For fences. Was that the same year that Mahershala Ali won for Moonlight as best supporting
2: actor? Mm-hmm. Because yes. that year I remember the winners being kind of consistent all the way through award season. Until the sag. Until the sag. Denzel
0: Washington, yeah.
2: But it became tiresome,
0: right? The same yeah. four people holding the four big awards. Right. Is that fair of me to say? It's often like it starts to snowball. Right. It often starts to snowball. Except some people are saying this year there really is no consensus right now in terms of the critics. Like critics, the New York critics and the LA critics have split. What they're they they've given actor awards to the National Board of Review has also been a little bit split. So everybody is strong right now at this point in the race. And so there were big. Obviously, people
2: talked about big Golden Globe snubs, right? Yeah, there were big names and titles left out of the golden globes.
0: Yeah, I, the biggest name that was left off the golden globes nominations list, which you and I are not going to spend any time on this at all, is Robert De Niro. I
2: okay. have
0: no interest yeah. in that conversation. Let's move on. Yeah. Again, <laughs> but you can understand why people consider it the big snub.
2: But, yeah, but wasn't the other big snub and this is not necessarily for the Oscar race, but the other was
0: uh the Ava DuVernay's uh When They See Us. Of course. I think that that is the big snub that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a big snub because it was nominated for 16 Emmys. Yeah. And the Critics' Choice, of course, has it well-nominated. Well-nominated. Probably the SAGs will go the same way, but the Golden Globes decided to shut out When They See Us completely.
2: Yeah, which (laughs) is… Uh, surprising. You know, there's a lot of crossover on a lot of other shows. Barry got a lot of uh, love on both sides. Uh, I think The Crown got some. There's always some randoms in
0: both it's situations. It's not surprising when you consider that these are international people who didn't care for a, a show that dealt with a historical event in American history And why this board, this Hollywood Foreign Press Association, keeps going towards and gravitating towards the crown. Lots of them are English. Right. They love that fucking royal shit. Hey, so do I. And as I wrote, I'm down with the crown seasons one and two. I mean, I started to get bored near the end of its run, but season three is not it. And… but it's British, it's it's the whole fucking… and the Downton Abbey. Yeah, Downton right? Abbey reigned
2: forever.
0: Give someone an English accent and, like, put them in period costume and you're done. I mean, I wonder if period
2: is actually exactly the thing that uh, gets it done because, of course, the other Golden Globe nomination that everybody… it's almost churlish to roll your eyes at it now because we've rolled our eyes at it so often, but… The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is nominated yet again. Well, I'll give the Globes credit because they were the first on Maisel. And you often point out that they are the first on The Affair, on… Jane the Virgin. Yep, and Gina Rodriguez on… Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yes, uh, that's an excellent
0: highlight there. But yeah, it's it's still happening. Yeah, so Maisel was nominated, but… Rachel Brosnahan was not. Yeah, but I
2: mean, why are we nominating? Then what are we doing? Yeah. It's not that I think that the lead always has to be nominated Mm -hmm. with the show, but in this case, it's not like Downton Abbey where it's an ensemble. Yeah. The show is called
0: The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. She is the Marvelous in question. Listen, these nominations were confusing to me across the board, but what was clear was they… Didn't want to talk about or didn't want to watch When They See Us, the, you know, movie about racial injustice. Yeah. Um, But they put forward a show that nobody was fucking talking about. Nobody cared about. It came and it went. It died. That would be George Clooney's Catch-22. Seriously. Like, you work in TV. You… No, it is your job to know who's writing what, where it's being produced, how many episodes, this and that and the other. I don't think I've heard you talk even 30 seconds about Catch-22. No,
2: because I was aware early on that I did not need to know that it was not essential to my education. And if I'm going to spend time on something that George Clooney produced, it's going to be on Becoming a God in Central Florida. If all they wanted to do was
0: get him there, they could have nominated that show outright. Well, they nominated Catch-22 so that they could get George and Amal Clooney there, is my assumption. Sure. Because there's no reason. The Emmys ignored George Clooney. You'd think if anyone wanted to be nice and George Clooney, it would be the Emmys. The Emmys didn't give a fuck about George Clooney. Critics' Choice… Didn't give a fuck about George Clooney. I bet you when the SAG Awards happen, nobody's going to give a shit about George Clooney. And if they do, it's only because the Golden Globes were like, oh, hey, remember George Clooney did a TV series this year? No. Sorry, I was
2: going to say nobody's going to give a fuck about George Clooney, including George Clooney. Like (laughs) of all the people who don't give a shit, right? I feel like even he's embarrassed by this. Uh, Probably. Yeah. yeah. He's like, meh. All right. Okay. So my final two questions to you, although I could listen to you talk about this like a a lecture for 90 more minutes, are… Uh, everything's closer together, nothing is coming out as a forerunner. What's your gut? Are people going to get in line and get behind something?
0: Or is it
2: going to be a, like, a free-for-all all all the way through?
0: What my favorite part about the season is, is that people campaign for their friends. Right. But, like, the friend groups are becoming more and more mixed, right? Yeah. So who are you, like, if you're Leonardo DiCaprio… Well, bad example. (laughs) Yes. I know, bad example. But he's Marty's boy. Yep. And he's De Niro's boy. Yep. So ordinarily in any other year… I I see what you're saying. Right. But he's got his own thing. He's for Quentin Tarantino this season. Yes. And for himself Mm -hmm. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So you're not going to get Leo throwing a party or hosting a party or showing up. Or are you? I mean, maybe. Because maybe this year he has to work for it, Right. Yeah. Like, he has to, like, actually kiss the ring if he if he wants to make it happen. Yeah. I, I don't think that this… I mean, there's no way it's going to be his year. I have a hard time believing. I don't think even he thinks it's going to be his year. Right. Although, for him, he just likes having those notches. Oh, it's going to be my sixth or fifth or whatever nomination. I have one already. You, we all remember how fucking hard he worked that… Like, how cold he had to be for that one. Um. Anyway, but that's – what I'm saying is that's just an example of where do you put your alliances in? Like if you're Julia. Yes. Okay. yeah. So your fave. My favorite – this is my favorite game. She loves Tom Hanks. Yes. She loves Brad Pitt. Yes. They're – Tom Hanks and Brad Pitt are in the same category. Right. What does Julia do? Tom or Brad. If Julia's going to host a party for anybody, my guess is obviously the Mr. Rogers story is more her brand. It is more. Well, that, <laughs> that was going to be my answer. Because
2: that's what does not mix is Julia Roberts and Quentin Tarantino yeah. do not mix. Right. They do not. Those two cross each other cross the street not to see each other.
0: But at the same time… That's not
2: based on anything real, guys. You, <laughs> I'm just like, that's my My two.
0: Yeah. But you remember, she won her Oscar before Denzel's lead actor Oscar. Of course. I the, love my life and then right. got to yes. So she has an uh, she has an Oscar and her friend Brad Pitt doesn't. Mhm. So Tom already has multiple Oscars.
2: Yeah, but I think Julia's old school enough that she would want somebody to win it for an old school role, mm-hmm. right? Like it's an old school kind of win.
0: Yeah. This is fun, right? It is super fun. This is the fun part of award season. So to your question, like, what does this all look like? It looks like everybody's, you know, scrambling to campaign for each other and deciding who to campaign for. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, I love the game of it. Uh,
2: my second question to, be, to you was going to be, what are the Independent Spirit Awards? I know what they are, that the award show the day before where everybody shows up wearing jeans or like a little cocktail dress and they pretend like it's casual, but then they still work hard.
0: Yeah. Um, But those wins can't affect anything. Uh, Not… At that point, they can't affect anything, no. Right. So
2: do you think those are throwaway votes? Does Julia, for example, vote for Brad in the
0: Independent Spirit Awards, but for Tom Hanks for the Oscar? No, I <laughs> I think that they are not throwaway votes. I think that the Spirit Awards are important, like, for them for sure. Like, some of them will, like, jerk off and be like, this is the real true heart of the industry and we need to blah, 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 blah. But I also think that truly the industry has to have this kind of strength, this independent strength in order to exist. Right. Okay. My last question, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, So I made a list this afternoon. As of this afternoon, I have 17 movies to see, Mm. including some real long shots, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the occasional nomination, probably will not make it, whatever. Right. Some are on Netflix, so that's easy to do. Me too. I have a couple. Some (sighs) are screeners. Yeah. Is there a film… Or several mm-hmm. that you think somebody can safely eliminate from contention. That not watching the movie, yeah. whether it ultimately gets more nominations or not, yeah. I just thought of an 18th. Uh, can you? we just run down your list then? Okay. Here's the list as, as currently existed. Kay? Right. Jojo Rabbit, The See. Irishman, Marriage Story, Knives Out, The Farewell, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood… Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Queen and Slim, Ford versus Ferrari, Dilemity is my name, Uncut Gems. Dolomite is my name. Whatever. I was on such a roll. <laughs> Uncut Gems, Bombshell, Judy, Harriet, and Parasite. And I suppose Rocketman, if I must.
0: Okay, so are you asking, and your, your list is not complete. No, my list is not complete. Like or... 1917 should be on that list, which is one that I have to see, and right. I'm dreading it.
2: Or there may be movies that I have seen that I'm not including here. Yeah. Um, that are also. Have you not could... seen all those? I have not seen the vast majority of those. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I'm not worried about the Netflix ones. Yeah. Obviously, I'll knock out uh, The Irishman. This yeah. weekend, probably. A lot of it is about, who am I seeing this with? Sometimes you see them at work on a Tuesday. Yeah. And so I have two. And then, you know, they're wonderful friends yeah. with lovely screeners. So okay.
0: Let me cross one off your list easy. Love it. Um, even Some people might disagree with me. Go on. I do not think Ford versus Ferrari is going to be, a, like, a true contender. It may get some nominations. It won't win. I don't think so either, but it's one of those things where
2: you're like, do you need to be in the conversation? Similarly… No. I don't actually think that Judy is going to be in the conversation.
0: No. I think that… Well, first of all, it's on Netflix. So you can, like, watch half an hour of it. And get the idea. Or skip to, like, all due respect, I don't think it's a great film. Right. It is Is a very interesting… And like hard, it's a difficult performance. But that's what we're watching it for, right? We're not watching it for the film craft. We're watching it for her or not. Exactly. Because Mm -hmm. Judy is only going to contend for Renee and that's it. It's not going to contend in any other category. So you just watch, get a gist of her performance so that you can lay it out against the other four women.
2: Right. But a comparable conversation is bombshell. Again, that's going to be about performances. That is not getting any nominations for
0: score or writing or whatever. It might, I mean, I just saw it um and I can't remember if the reviews are bar- embargoed yet, so I shouldn't say too much, but I don't think it will contend for best picture either. How about that? Yeah, I yeah. think that's fair.
2: There are, but that's what I mean, that's why this list is so elaborate. There are you have to watch movies for all kinds of different Yeah. categories not just for what's going to be best picture. That's right. Um, yeah, I I think there are a couple of others here that I refuse to say I'm not banking on when I haven't seen them, but yeah. between you and I, there's a few that I'm banking on not being a factor here. So…
0: Correct. Yeah. I think that for me, the big one that I still have to check off is 1917, mm-hmm. Sam Mendes. Mm-hmm. This is the war movie. Yes. I respect veterans… I understand what they did for us, mm-hmm. but I am not… I, I I just… there have been so… we. I feel like we, we watch war movies every year. Yeah, you can respect what they did for us without yes. feeling like you want to
2: see the story told again in what yes. appears to be a similar way. This is
0: the one-shot movie, right? So it's shot like Birdman where it's yeah, supposed it's to feel like one continuous one take, shot. So yeah. that is the… Cinematic, Mm -hmm. like whatever filmmaking, blah blah blah. But you know what I heard that I'm really excited about because both of us have to see this film, is that I think it's under two hours. I mean, that's
2: that's great news, right? But then again, this becomes the debate about well, if it's under two hours, and I'm lucky enough to know somebody with a screener, do you spend those two hours also folding laundry as opposed to going out to the theater?
0: Listen, I spent almost four hours in four different sittings on the Irishman. Four sittings, eh? I'm one of the few people because, you know, everybody is fucking popping their load over Irishman. I didn't think it was all that great. I love a Super movie. I'll take Goodfellas in Casino. Uh, Irishman was meh. Uh, I did, uh, notice
2: that Netflix apparently is talking about the, the stats on it are only 18% of people are watching it in one sitting. Yeah, because it's too fucking long. Let us know if you managed to do it. Also let us know what you managed to do about like your bathroom habits and similar.
0: But we are seeing Little Women together.
2: Oh, I already made plans.
0: With who? Well, I'll tell you Later. You? I thought that we decided on this podcast when we did the Little Women discussion episode that we would go to see it together. I think that was when you told me that you were seeing it Christmas Day
2: or else and I could go and fuck myself. Remember that? Okay. Um,
0: also, I believe you do need to see Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Because Marielle Heller, female um, directors, were completely shut out of the Golden Globes, Uh are at risk of being shut out probably, maybe, at the Oscars, and in order to participate in that conversation, we need to be able to be like, what the fuck, everybody?
2: I am up to see all the things that let me yell in an entitled and strident manner, so yeah, I'm there.
0: Okay.
3: Subtle results. Still you
0: So we were just talking about the Independent Spirit Awards. We were. And there's a certain type of actor who shows up at the Spirit Awards, right? I like, mean,
2: I guess so. Like, do you mean Peter Starsgard? Oh, I see. Yes. Right? Who is both nominated and otherwise goes because that's their vibe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Do you put Jennifer Lopez in there? No, she's never been. That's my gut. So she has been nominated for a Spirit Award…
2: Wait, their nominations are out already. Yeah, that's super. They were early out, isn't early, it? early. They were out, I think, two years, two years, two weeks ago. Uh, uh, this is this
0: conversation is blowing my mind. Fine, she's nominated. Go on. So it's just it's J. Lo and then the Spirit Awards. She's also nominated for a Golden Globe and for Critics' Choice. but uh, you know, you don't associate Spirit Awards with Jennifer Lopez, right? Well, it's funny because if I could make a distinction, uh, Jennifer
2: Lopez is nominated for uh, a Golden Globe and for a Critics' Choice, right? And maybe yes. for an Oscar. But what I keep picturing when you talk about the Independent Spirit Awards, and it's my fault because I was the one who said they show up in jeans, I keep picturing J.Lo lo showing up <laughs> in, like, like, 2004, like, Lowriders, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. Uh, and the the, like, the sort of love-don't-cost-a-thing jeans. Yeah. And I, I can't quite wrap my head around it.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Lo is definitely front and center campaigning. Her latest stop mm-hmm. was hosting Saturday Night Live. That's right. This past weekend. Yes. We are, as we have said before on this show, we are the kinds of people who watch every week. Yeah. Like I said, we
2: have a side hustle
0: on this podcast in
2: Saturday Night Live because it's it's like a cultural barometer, right? It's always a sort of a note yeah. of what's happening.
0: And we are also the kind of SNL people who will watch, even when it's terrible, and we can say, as much as we are devoted to it, we can say, this is a bad, bad episode. We stick to it. Like, I, I never, I never not watch all the sketches.
2: No, of course. Oh, no, I think that's wrong. Yeah. I know there are some people who drop out after Weekend Update, no, but no, that's no, wrong. No, 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 no. And in fact, I have to tell you that I was… Pretty fond of my assertion the other day that watching SNL is like watching your sports team. Like that rise and fall, good games, bad games, right. good shows, bad shows. It's that kind of thing. You stick with it, whether or not. You're not a fair weather fan. Yeah. I'm not a fair weather no. fan. You're not a fair weather fan. It's a fan. good
0: analogy. There are, some, there are some people who go to a sports game and their team will be down like 5 nothing, and they'll leave bef- like with five minutes to go or 10 minutes to go in the third period. You may as well not go.
2: That's not yeah. the point. You're there to see it all good, to yeah. witness it, if you will. That's right. Yes. I watch
0: every SNL sketch. So did you have expectations for J-Lo hosting SNL? I had some
2: expectations and I had a lot of anticipation. I really was excited. I thought that it was a place for some real fun to go down.
0: And so did I. Mm -hmm. I was really excited. I mean, we love her. We care about her. We are always interested in J-Lo. Yes? Yeah, because she's complicated. She's fun. She does different things. She's… Uh, she's just uh, against the grain in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I feel like every six months, six to nine months or so, you will just send me a text, like a photo of her and you'll be like, what the fuck? Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Because I just, I love how she
2: is. She doesn't, uh, she's writing her own book and it's not the like, ingenue playbook. It was never the ingenue playbook, no. and it's not now the Hollywood leading woman playbook, yeah. and she didn't play the, like, I'm divorced playbook.
0: Yeah. None of it. She's she's different all the time, and I'm very into it. And not to be make it about outward appearances, but, I mean, I don't think she's gonna mind. Also, it's her look like the what the fuck is also how does someone look i'm i'm looking at your face right now and it is annoyance disbelief yes um and resignation you're just like oh, this fucking bitch because she looks better in 2019 than she did in 2009, than she did in 1999, Yeah, Easily, yes.
2: And uh, look, the best I can say about that, other than being like, yes, this bitch, is to be like, instead of going, oh my God, can you believe she's 50? Because that's a conversation that people have all the time. The other side of it is to maybe go, maybe that's what 50 looks like now. Like, maybe that can be a new excitement for us, you
0: know? But I mentioned that because part of the reason I wanted to tune in was to see how good she was going to look. Oh, like, for sure.
2: I, uh, well, yeah. I, I think you got your wish because the entire ninety minutes of <laughs> SNL was about how hot was she is. Just about how good she looks. I was really
0: disappointed in so many ways. Let's start at the beginning. So, Ugh. typically, I thought that if it sucked, at least the monologue would be hot, amazing, and I. Oh, it was terrible. So, you know, there's this thing about SNL where they say that the monologue is
2: often the last thing written. They're busy getting wigs and videos and whatever, song rights ready for all these kinds of sketches and so the monologue is often the last piece. Yes? Yeah. And so sometimes if it's a wonky monologue or whatever, you can kind of go, well, it was the last thing written. Yeah. It, there have been great shows with bad monologues mm-hmm. and fine shows with really great monologues and all of the above, right? Yeah. So her monologue, though, by definition took a lot of work and pre-planning.
0: Well, she had the cats with her.
2: So she had the rockets. She's wearing a kind of a shitty uh, tuxedo, Yeah. which I did notice as the soon as it was came bad. on. The yeah. fit was bad. The was terrible. I was yeah. like, the fit was terrible. Yeah. Um, I did not know why the fit was terrible. Yeah. Until, of course, the Rockettes come out. Yeah, they cover her. In a monologue that has no jokes, by the way. There are no, no. jokes in that monologue. Yes. That's not a good… Yeah. That's not a good sign. No jokes in the monologue. The Rockettes come out, they cover her, and she wears… She comes out wearing the dress, the, the Versace dress. dress. Yeah. How did you feel about this?
0: I, I groaned. Yes. I thought that… Because… Because there were no jokes in the monologue, yeah. And then the rock cats come out. I was like, okay, we're going to be building up to something—a real punchline. Yeah. And then it became the dress, and I thought it was like a little bit. You already did that. You went to Milan. You walked the fashion show in the dress uh-huh. in the first vers- to celebrate the twentieth anniversary. We get it. Like, uh-huh. why are you replaying this hit? And and
2: not only why are you replaying this hit, but. You told us the punchline before the goddamn Mm punchline. Fully 90 seconds of the monologue was the setup and play out of, I wore a dress in 2019 that I looked better in than when I wore it in 1999. She said in so many words. Why, if that's your punchline, if the… I could see a world in which… If they had done it the other way. Here's my rewrite. Ready? Call me, Lauren Michaels. Okay. If you say, hey, I'm Jennifer Lopez, and… I'm, you know, I'm still hot and everything, but actually, guys, I'm 50, and there are ways in which I'm slowing down. I really like watching, I don't know, Downton Abbey while I'm on the phone with my mom. Right. Right? That's a joke, right? Like, you're already laughing. Uh, I sometimes find myself browsing at HomeSense to see if they have any, like, discount pillows. I, whatever. What's another thing? Like, I search for, like, the best parking app. I have no idea. Right. Then… They'd been like, she's like, you know, I'm just a regular girl who's in middle age, and then they'd gone with the uh-huh. dress. I love that. Thank you. It's yeah. a better. Lauren Michaels give Duane a job. Absolutely, it's a better setup. Um. But that was sort of the way the whole night went, right? Yeah. Then there's a then there's a scenario where it's uh, like a home Reno show, which I guess is a repeat sketch. Yeah. Of uh, this is. Hot woman is your wife. Yeah. Whatever. It's a one-joke sketch.
0: Yes. I mean, Keenan made that sketch. Keenan's great. Keenan and and his continuous being like continuously being baffled and his Mm -hmm. bewilderment is exponentially increasing every time you know she reminds him that he made he made it. But she didn't make it.
2: Well, she didn't make it, but I will say this about Jennifer Lopez. You were talking earlier about people who are too cool. And she's not too
0: cool. No, she She gets right in there for the performances. Listen, she was trying the whole night. It just wasn't... I think that her her timing seemed off. It was Everything was delivered either a little bit too fast or a little bit, uh, like, too slow. But I'm not saying she wasn't trying. She was
2: present. I don't even have performance issues per se because the material wasn't there. The next sketch is the... uh, Adi Bryant and and uh, Kate McKinnon are yeah. the ugly sisters who want to keep her hidden. Right, and she's hot.
0: Yeah, that's the whole joke. Yeah, I'm tired already. That may have been. I felt like I, 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 I felt like I enjoyed her most in that sketch and the earrings, the hoops sketch. The hoops was the best of the night. Yeah, um, I didn't
2: mind her in the. Even the sketch about the, like, the, the you know, the Wisconsin uh, women who yeah. are, you know, survival horror women. So yeah. Like, those are kind of recurring characters as well. But they're not, like, it, it the joke there is, oh my God, look at Jennifer Lopez in an ugly wig. Yeah. It was so… Okay, so here's my question to you. So, uh, I was more thinking about what there wasn't, right? I would have given my right eye for a music video. For not the don't give me the nonsense with uh D- Pete, Pete David- Davidson. Yeah, no. That was pointless. Yeah. Um although I did kind of squeal on my couch when they made the city high reference and I was probably one of 11 people <laughs> who knew what was happening <laughs> right. in that scenario. And the
0: caroling was terrible. Terrible. Um but
2: I know what you mean, like a Christmas album. Give me Christmas albums. Yeah. Give me a Crucible cast party. Yeah. Give me a yeah, or like Back Home Ballers, you yeah. know. Um, or I would have loved a Celebrity Jeopardy. Like I said, I would have loved for, uh, uh I would have loved for Cecily Strong's uh, dog judge, yeah, to come back. Right. right. Like, would yeah. you have loved to see that? Yes. The hoops sketch was good. But it's almost so predictable. Like, we know Jennifer Lopez can do that in her sleep. Yeah. It was a disappointing
0: episode. It was. a And you're right. I love these ideas because I'm thinking about a few years ago, Michael Buble was um, the guest. Mm -hmm. The musical guest, guest at least. Right. And they did, uh, like, a music video for an album, like a new Christmas album. And he was himself doing duets with. Great. And they had… Like, Lady Gaga imitated, and of course, Kate McKinnon was Justin Bieber. And that was funny. Like, to me, I loved that sketch. Um, And obviously, it would have been funny to see if she could play that, that kind of thing. But I'm wondering, is maybe, first of all, we know she can't do impressions.
2: Uh, Fine. That's that's When you're
0: J-Lo, you can't be anybody else.
2: No, and I don't mind her being just regular people. Yeah. But then I want to see, I think she's funnier than this episode led her on to be. She's hosted before, I think, hasn't she? Twice. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, how do we remember? How were they? Like, obviously it wasn't iconic performances, or we would remember that, but…
0: I don't remember, which, yeah, that, that says something. Because as we've established, we, we like to say we know our SNL. Yeah, for sure and given that we don't remember and she's jlo it probably wasn't all that memorable
2: yeah i'm scrolling through here and there are sketches that look promising like espn classic 1987 ladies world cup of curling that's probably a great sketch good morning bronx she did in 2001 i i just wish there had been something else to me the best sketch was uh the digital short that she did with Kyle Mooney about the uh, yeah. the bed pooper thing. Yeah. And he didn't know where a clitoris was. Right. But, like, I fucking love seeing her in a shirt with a sweater over top, the most uncomfortable construction of an outfit ever. <laughs>
0: um, why couldn't we have had more of that? I don't know. Now, I, I actually would have, I would have been interested if Kyle Mooney wrote more for her. So here then, though, is the question.
2: So that this is not just an SNL recap podcast. Uh, We do talk about the show a lot, but on Wednesdays, every sketch that is pitched for that week is read through, right? With everybody playing the parts that they would play. Then Lauren Michaels and the host of the week and the two head writers, and probably some others, go behind closed doors, choose the sketches, and then put them up on the board. Yeah. And I have fantasized about what happens in that meeting. Like you sometimes talk about like sexual fantasies or like (laughs) porn that you watch. I fantasize about those meetings and how they go. My question to you is how much input do you think she had? What are the sketches that you think she left on the floor or that they left on the floor for her? I mean, I'm not asking you to pitch me, but Mm -hmm. I I guess my question is… How much of this do you think was her fault?
0: Define fault. Do you think some people go in there and they're all in. Mm-hmm. They show up on you know, the Tuesday uh, the, or the the Monday the Monday. I think. Yeah. yeah, they show up on the Monday bright and early. They want to be in every writer's meeting. They want input. they want I like to bounce off ideas. They bring their own ideas, right?
2: Yeah, or they are the people who say, look, guys, I'm up for anything. Like, yeah, make me look messy, have me be right. goofy, like, I'll do whatever you want.
0: And some just are, like, either too timid to really make those suggestions because they're out of their comfort zone and they're just nervous, they're grateful for the opportunity, whatever, and they let the show guide them. Right, and that's why I said I want to see what those meetings
2: are because… Obviously, the host of the week can't do all the picking because this is
0: Lauren Michaels' show that he has to have some consistency right. from week to week, right? Right. And then you've got the ones that Lauren trusts, who, of course, that's why they're five timers. Yeah. Because you know what you're going to get. They probably are almost up for everything, and he trusts them. Like, you notice that there are very few guest hosts who um, are in a sketch by themselves, a few of them yes. are capable of it. Mm-hmm. Emma Stone, for example, yep, perfectly capable of doing a sketch on her own, doesn't need the the cast of SNL to proper to up. support her. But right. then there are some who are the guest host, but they're not the star of the sketch. They have like two lines in a sketch.
2: Yeah, a perfect example of that. And this is not Jennifer Lopez is not that person, but yeah. a perfect example of that would be the Barry's Bootcamp sketch. Right? Yeah. Everybody has. Four or five lines a piece. That's right. And the sketch is going to keep rolling whether the guest host of the week whips right. it or does an amazing job.
0: Yeah. By contrast, a couple weeks ago, for example, Harry Styles had a lot to do. Yeah, he did have a lot to do. Yeah. yeah. For like a first timer, for example, who, I mean, I think he's been musical guest before, but hosting, yeah. he had a lot to do. Think about his monologue, for example.
2: I don't remember He his was monologue. at the
0: piano. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? So yeah, you it rises and falls based on his performance. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say that J-Lo didn't have, like, many lines, but I wouldn't say that she was as front and center in her sketches as she could be, you would think she's capable of. So what kind of approach did she have? To go back to your question, did she show up and was she there all the time? Or was she kind of like, yeah, we'll just, like, you know, do the thing. Look… Uh, Yeah, was she too busy?
2: Um, If you read anything written by women who have been in sketch comedy for any length of time, they talk about how uh, if you are not writing for yourself or uh, a positive way to spin it is that the way that they learn to write sketch comedy and learn to write is that they had to write for themselves because otherwise… They became the wives and girlfriends in the sketches saying things like, oh, darling, would you like more tea? Mm -hmm. Um, And like the perfect sort of uh, skewering of that was the – Vanessa Bayer did those – what was it called? Totino's commercials, right? Like anything for my boys that if you're not careful in a sketch comedy situation, you can wind up being those characters. Mm -hmm. That's what it feels like here. That's, I think, why I'm so frustrated. Jennifer Lopez played the girl in almost every sketch. Yeah. She didn't play the weird person with the weird, you know, fixation yeah. on something. She just was kind of the chick. Now, let me,
0: let me present something to you. Yeah. I… When I look back, I wish… I had this thought, I swear, last week in my head because she was in New York clearly prepping for SNL. Uh-huh. But there were a ton of pop photos of her. Mm-hmm. And I thought like almost every day. Right. And I thought to myself, well shit. Typically when someone shows up to host SNL, you don't see them. No, they're in hibernation. They're in hibernation. They're in there workshopping and working. And she was out all the time. I'm not blaming her. I'm giving you just evidence. And I thought to my, I swear to you, for a fleeting moment, I thought, should I write about this? Because she was showing up. There were so many pop photos. And I was actually going to write a post saying, JLo's going to host. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm so excited because I am. And then I was going to be like, she's out a lot. (laughs) And typically, when you host SNL, you're not out that much. And now I guess there's a mitigating factor in the sense that she is a New Yorker,
2: right? Yeah. Um, that a lot of the people who who host are from LA, so they're there for the week just to do SNL. They don't have as many people or whatever who want to see them or or otherwise. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't love it. I'm even just sitting here going, if if they'd done that same sketch about the hot wife off the top, but she played the Keenan in that situation? Yeah. If if they played it like here's what would be revolutionary, SNL, have a gay couple be the one who are getting the house makeover. And the one hot guy and the one guy who's into smurfs. And she's the reporter who's like, "You? You and him are together?" Yeah. Like, let's try something like that. Let's try something where she gets to be a, a, I don't know what, just odder, stranger, weirder. The I My feelings about comedy and women in comedy are all tied up in my feelings about Jennifer Lopez, but if we look at it as you've been sort of positioning it, as part of her, I don't know, year-long media takeover, like don't call it a comeback, but basically it's like a comeback, I feel like this was a fail. I feel like we know nothing
0: more about her than we did before. It's funny because a couple of weeks ago, you… Didn't care about Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. And yeah. then he shows up, he wasn't even hosting, mm-hmm. in two minor ways mm-hmm. that become that became major for you because he made such an impact and it kind of changed your entire perspective on him. And uh, it has been reflected
2: back in the last week because of the promo for uh, his new movie series, Disney, what's it called? That Free thing. Guy? Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, that that some people have been tweeting at me, thank you, Ramona, uh, with that trailer going, what is Ryan Reynolds? Like, that's sort of indicative of his weird taste.
0: That's right. And with J-Lo, yeah, it was a major disappointment, Mm -hmm. probably a a lack of imagination, as you're saying, on the part of the writers of what to do with her. And yet… Or a willingness on her part. Like, I'm not trying to whitewash her… No, no. …participation here. But you know what we, when we talked last about J-Lo mm-hmm. or in previous seasons, we had a chat about her um, and how she doesn't wear failures. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, I remember distinctly the conversation where we were talking about Gigli and we were talking about ben Oh, yeah, Affleck, yeah, yeah. And we are talking about the fact that, like, when people make fun of Gigli, it's him. Yep. It's not her. No. And partly because he she didn't have the Oscar, he did. And I guess sometimes in that sense, the pressure is more on him. And she's made silly, goofy movies before. Yeah, and I I
2: get that and I got that when we were talking about her then. Yes,
0: but this… Well, she can make great choices. We know this, right? She she can can make great choices. The thing that is unimpeachable about her up to this point is that she works so hard. Well… Yeah. Everybody says this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she's been filming a fucking movie this fall while doing whatever it is that she does to promote Hustlers and doing all the roundtables. Mm-hmm. And there's SNL. Now she's prepping for the Super Bowl. We And she's released a single. Like, all of that. And they say she's the hardest working woman aside from Our Queen.
2: Well, and but the thing, the difference between uh, Our Queen, of course you mean Beyonce… Uh, is until. Who else? But until recently, Beyonce didn't let on that it was hard work. And what I've always loved about Jennifer Lopez is that she has always let on that it is hard work. Yes. She has always pointed out that it's hard for her to pole dance or it's this is hard or that's hard. It's always been a hustle. Yeah, but also it doesn't come that naturally. Like that's you right. say, she doesn't wear a failure, which is true, but she also doesn't she's not Gwyneth Paltrow. She's not like, I'm just effortlessly good at things. She's been like, yeah, I've had singles that were just okay. Yeah. I've had like, I don't know, perfumes that were just okay or movies that were just, and yet I never worry about her. You said she does those round tables and I'm like, oh, she would acquit herself beautifully. She would be. She did. Insightful, Mm -hmm. funny, uh, thoughtful, assertive, like uh, a good listener, a great interview, all of the above. So, I don't know what the blind spot is. And I don't think it's that she's not funny per se.
0: Maybe she's not funny. No, I. my theory is this. Please. We know she works hard, mm-hmm. and so this is what we're rubbing up against. How can someone who works so hard, you know, and she is the type of person who if she says yes to something… She's all in, right? Oh, we forgot that fucking World of Dance show that she does. So that's another thing that she's oh, been doing. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so we always know if she says yes, she's going to show up. And yet it feels like if we're going to um, figure out what happened on this episode, even if it was 50%, the unimagin- like the unimaginativeness of the writers, mm-hmm. it's also maybe 50%, like, did she really, like, hunker down?
2: Or did she ask for more? Did she say, not for yeah. nothing, but did she say, hey, some of these sketches make me a boring girl. Could we have something
0: else? So here's my question. Was it a case of even Jennifer Lopez overcommits? Uh-huh. You think she was too busy to give this
2: its full attention.
0: Well, think about it. We just listed off all the fucking things she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, on Monday, last Monday, so five days before SNL, I know that there's plenty of time… First of all, it was Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. Coming out of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, then last week on the Monday, it was the Gotham Awards. She had to do that. Mm -hmm. There was also a screening, one of those Q&A screenings with the cast of Hustlers. Still? Yeah. Christ. Because it's voting time, right? Yeah, but okay, yeah. Hosted by Will Ferrell, Mm -hmm. which she posted about. Right. So she's in LA, she gets on a private jet to head back to New York to do the screening, to do the Gothams. Then she has to go straight into SNL prep, plus all the other things that she's doing behind the scenes. Right. Is this a case of even the most successful… Here's our takeaway, our our show your work takeaway. Even the most successful people, sometimes, do they overcommit?
2: Entirely possible. And that's the kind of thing where, you know, we often talk about juggling, right? Oh, when you're juggling all these things, uh, sometimes you don't know which one is going to fall. Right? Yeah. And if you had to let something fall, if you knew somewhere along the way, I could see where the logic would be, let the thing fall that is erased by the next week. Yeah. Right? Like that is, that is actually a good business decision. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, and, and you know, if we're talking about voting and all the rest of it, I don't know how many Academy voters are going to base their choice on her SNL performance. Right. So I see it from that perspective, but I just if if we're it's the larger narrative that makes me a bit ishy, like if we're talking about how amazing she is at fifty and how much she can do and like God, we haven't even gotten into remember how I've been yelling at you to watch The Fosters forever and then the spin-off Good Trouble? Yeah. Yeah. Guess who the executive producer is?
0: J Lo. Jennifer
2: Lopez. Yeah. Um, It's like a, it's a New York and production, like it's something that she acquired. But still, like, it's a really good quality show. Um, They're both good quality shows. Like, I don't know. I just wanted, I, she does so many things so well. Yeah. I was so, I was not walking in with expectations to Hustlers and I loved it so much Mm -hmm. that this feels disappointing. Yeah. However. However… What's the cost? Oh, very little.-hmm. Uh, it's not going to stick to her, as you say. Never. But also, and you're gonna love this, I have a conspiracy theory. Hit me. So as we say, uh, you know, the SNL cast and writers, they know who the guests are going to be, mm-hmm. maybe a couple weeks in advance, mm-hmm. right? They uh, they come in on Monday. Hey mm-hmm. guys, I'd like to do this, that, or the other. They write all night on Tuesday, mm-hmm. but of course they can always resubmit scripts that they that maybe didn't get in last time, or maybe not submit something that isn't quite ready. I know what you're doing. Where you're going? I know you do. Yeah, and it occurred to me about five minutes ago, and it took everything I had not to be all smarty pants ass because one of the head guys. So Colin Jost is one of the head writers. Uh huh.
0: He's engaged to Scarlett Johansson. Who is hosting. Next week. (laughs) I love this so much. So is he banking the good shit for his fiancé? I'm just saying. Or uh, are
2: the writers and cast subconsciously Mm -hmm. knowing that he's going to pull out all the stops to make next week a great show. And she's a five-timer. Waiting for their A game. Right, waiting to pull out their a game
0: for next week. Very possible. I love this conspiracy theory, you know, because it it's like mixed in with gossip and shit. I know, so I I'm knew
2: you would love it all over it. Um, and look, we all do this. I want to be clear, and you guys tell us about how you do this. I do want to know. There are we can't all go a hundred all the time, right? There are tasks on your list. There are days in your week or weeks in your year. Where you kind of have to soft pedal it because you know you need to save it for a push next week or next month or whatever. Yeah. Right? Please do tell us at what times you conserve energy. But you can see how… I don't you... want to hear about this if you are a surgeon, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if you're a surgeon, you, like… I guess that's when you, like, supervise your resident and be like, do it better. Yeah. Um. But… You know, if you yeah, if you're one of the cast and crew, is it the Christmas break episode this next week? Is no. she the last one
0: before the break? No, and then oh. it's Eddie Murphy. Well, there you go. Right, yeah. there's if that if to extend your conspiracy theory, it is Eddie Murphy's big return. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done this in like decades. Yeah, since uh, he was back once, right? Well, After he came he left. back. He he did a, a short thing for the fortieth. Remember, but yeah, that's right. Um, and, but he hasn't, like, hosted. That Since was a… short sure, he yeah. was a
2: cast member.
0: So, it's been a long time. It's huge news. All eyeballs are going to be on that one. So, if, to extend your conspiracy theory, is Lorne giving the directive, bank your fucking good shit for December 21st, Eddie Murphy, that's the episode. Uh, yeah. Or, like, knowing that sometimes… Musical guest Lizzo.
2: <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, you know, when it's a woman who's the host, often there are more like all female sketches. When it's a dude, sometimes they're all more dude sketches. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, maybe you're knowing that your your girl sleepover stuff mm-hmm. is gonna be better served to wait for next week, and that your your I don't know Eddie Murphy stuff is better saved for the week following. I just I don't know this for sure. Nobody knows. God, if there's a secret SNL blog somewhere, somebody tell me.
0: But it has the bit of the ring of truth
2: about it, doesn't it?
0: I'm feeling it. I love this theory. Um, And also, it gives me reason to bring up um, Ali Wong with the Eddie Murphy connection. Oh, yeah. There you go. Okay. Nice job. Um, And I'm going to try and relate it to what we're talking about um, in terms of, like, taking your foot off the gas… Or soft pedaling it mm-hmm. or whatever. I know you haven't read it yet, but you I love Ali Wong's book, Dear Girls. I'm I'm saving it. I'm only yeah. saving it because I'm so excited. So there's an there's a chapter called Hustle and Foe. Mm-hmm. Get it? Yes, I got it. Um, and she talks about the work that goes into becoming a comic, a stand-up comic. Right. She and she is not romantic about it right? Especially, she's not romantic about it, uh, being a stand-up comic while you're pregnant and while you're raising kids and Uh pregnant again. And she, her theory, her thing is, is that you can't take a class to become a stand-up comic. You can't do YouTube. You can't fucking perform at the community center where everybody's friendly. You have to go out on the road with hostile audiences and you have to bomb. Like you- have to earn it. There's no way through Correct. it but through. It's that one job where there's no hack. You just have to do it the old school way. And in hundred years from now, there's not going to be a new school way. It's only going to be this way. Right.
2: I mean, I would say that might be true of many arts, right? Like uh, yeah. if you are a, a singer or an athlete, like you just have to get 5,000 runs in or whatever. Yeah.
0: You got to do it. Right. And she's I mean, a lot of comics do this. They tell you about how hard the road is, but I really appreciated her perspective because she would she would like be specific about this club, and the door person at this club did this, and this is what happened to me at this club. Ooh, and good memory. I, yeah. You, like, you will love it. She talks about one night that she was really hyped up for, and she um, she knew it was a big opportunity, and then… She got up there and fucking Eddie Murphy was in the audience. Ugh. (laughs) I mean, great, but fuck. And it was also the night where she was opening for Chappelle. So she talks about how when you're a comic and you're opening for somebody, like, everybody is there to see that person. Yes. And so you're already up against a wall. Mm -hmm. And then you know that Eddie Murphy is out there. You're, like, everybody's comic idol all of them, like they all look up to that guy. And he was there to see Chappelle and she's fucking up there and she decided not to do any of her new material and she went with standbys, like her… That is the smart decision. He did not laugh. He hated her. She bombed. Nobody cared about her. She sucked. Um, And she was like, and then I just had to go do it all over again. Um, And so when we're talking about Jennifer Lopez being funny Mm -hmm. and we're talking about um, writers saving up their work and who to be funny for. Right. I think it's a combination of your conspiracy theory, but like did she show them uh, that, you know, I will, I will sacrifice, I will give you an arm, I will, I will, I will agree to maybe take that risk to be so bad. On that night. Right. Well, I, I I don't know the
2: answer to that. I mean the 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 one side of that, the side that we would say, uh, on behalf of women at work in general, is she's been showing you for twenty years. Mm-hmm. She's been fucking hustling. Thirty years she's been out here. Twenty? Thirty. Twenty. Thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Oy. Like in living color if we're gonna Yeah, 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 yeah sure. Eighties. Um, like she's been here. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, she has two other SNLs to her credit. If she was terrible, they wouldn't have her back, right? right? How much more does she have to show them? Yeah. But if she wanted it to be something else, if this SNL was meant to be a real high point in her resume, Mm -hmm. as as you point out, Emma Stone has had those high points before, right? Or people like… Remember David Harbour a few months ago? I don't think anybody was waiting on the David Harbour episode, but he was great. Yeah, I liked him. He went all in. Yes. But that became a new line in the David Harbour bio, essentially, right? Good on SNL. So I don't know. I don't know whether it's like, why do we need women to keep proving themselves, or is it maybe she didn't care as much?
0: And listen, as we said, this is not going to cost her. It hasn't cost her in my mind. Like, I'm kind of let down, but it's not like I love her any less. It's not like, oh, suddenly I don't care about J-Lo anymore. No, of course
2: not. Of course not. It's
0: just, a, it's just an interesting, because we talk about successful people. Yeah. It's an interesting, but even successful people once in a while can have a B night or a C night. And just kind of
2: to Ali Wong's point, knowing that when you live your entire life, say, on camera… That some of those B nights and C nights are going to wind up on
0: stage. And we're going to be back probably in a few weeks talking about J-Lo again, because the thing about people like J-Lo is when you do have a B or a C night, uh, it is quickly erased and quickly forgotten. And that's what
2: we all have to remember, right? It's always next, next, next. The good days, the bad days, the days when you sort of go, oh, fuck, I should have pushed myself harder. Mm Next, next. You have to go next because there's no point in looking backward.
0: Oh, and look, she's doing the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice little uh, band aid. Uh, I might have just half cocked it, you know, on SNL, but I'm doing the Super Bowl. Wait, maybe that's what it is. There's another layer of conspiracy to
2: save it. So, but I mean, yeah. it's a month away. They're so different. It's. Uh, maybe we'll never know, but if I got into the room, if I ever get to, like, ask Lauren Michaels the questions, and if I ever find out what happens behind those closed doors, that's going to be one of the things I want to know. What was the story here? And lastly, uh, the careers, obviously, of SNL alumni go many, many places, but I didn't expect this one. I probably should have known that Kristen Wiig was going to wind up in the new Wonder Woman movie. Like, I'm sure it was announced a long time ago. It was. Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. But the trailer just dropped. The trailer dropped and
0: universally loved. Yeah. I mean, it looks amazing. Like, people have a lot of thoughts about this superhero business, as we know. Uh Uh-huh. And so, it's not typically… It's not… It's not… I mean… Then you know we are living in a hot take culture, so someone somewhere is going to be like, "Well, I didn't like this, and it didn't line up to the book, whatever." I'm from what I've seen, people are jacked, and that's interesting. I mean, for a bajillion reasons, but partially because everybody was skeptical about Wonder Woman, one yeah. essentially, and right? It wasn't like uh, I I liked it and I supported it, mm-hmm. but I. I, I'm not going to say it couldn't have used some improvement. I enjoyed it way better than I expected
2: for somebody who… You know that my superhero interest level yeah. hovers around a four. Yeah.
0: My enjoyment of that movie was like a seven plus. Yeah. So that exceeded my expectations. Yeah. I think that with the second, Patty Jenkins had a lot more freedom. Like after the success of that. And you can see her flex yes. um, in the second one, at least from the trailer. But super exciting. It looks great. And um, you pointed out that after the trailer dropped, um, a few people have been making some observations about specifically the Wonder Woman Diana and Kristen Wig um, Minerva character.
2: Right. So um, it, the Hollywood Reporter pointed out that uh, we're introduced to Barbara Ann Minerva is her name, um, and she becomes eventually becomes her nemesis. The cheetah, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I guess Barbara Ann Minerva has historically been uh, in in DC lore uh, was gay, was a lesbian, um, and so now there's debate over. Oh, and of course that uh, that Diana Prince herself mm-hmm. uh, was historically bisexual, right? So then we watched the trailer. Yep, And there are… I mean, Kristen Wiig does that thing where the more earnest she is, the more yeah. straight she plays something… The funnier she is. Right? Yeah. Like when she doesn't smile, you want to smirk your face off. Yeah. Right? Um, so we start off seeing them sort of talking, and it's clear that they have a relationship. I mean, a, a, an interaction, a companionship yeah. of some sort. And so the question now is whether that… Uh, is going to develop into a romantic relationship and whether that is, like, whether that relationship is hinted at to make people watch the trailer and get excited
0: about the movie or whether that actually plays out in the movie. And that's, listen, when you sent that over to me, I went, hmm? Because, of course, we view things through the lens of our own experience. Uh Uh-huh. That was not my read. I wasn't looking at it as whether or not this was a potential like romance turn mm-hmm, sour. Mm-hmm. The way I saw it was, oh, Diana has a best friend. Right. Sure. Because of course, and I I I I hope that this doesn't make me heteronormative where my mind didn't go there because I'm cis and and and, and straight and but for me, my focus, and you and I share this, we love, like, girlfriend relationships. Like, as our friend Lara coined this for me, which is a, a common catchphrase on Laney Gossip, is girl shit is the best shit. Right. And so I was just looking at that chemistry and what was going on in that trailer as girl shit is the best shit. Uh Diana found a best friend. Right. They start conspiring together. Mm -hmm. They share their secrets. Um, They do as girlfriends do. You know, and when you fall in love with a friend, it is the most powerful thing.
2: Well, I think that it's… I think your construction there is not accidental, right? Because I guess that to me is what you love and what you're referring to about girl shit is the best shit, is that at… It's best a a female relationship can be non-sexual but incredibly romantic. Uh, let me rephrase that. I don't mean at its best. I yeah. mean that a, a female friendship that contains no sexuality mm-hmm. can contain a whole lot of sensuality and intimacy. Yes. Right? Yeah. And uh, a few weeks ago, I sent you an article from The Cut uh, called… I'm Having a Friendship Affair. Mm -hmm. It's written by Kim Brooks, and the subhead is a look at the intensely obsessive, deeply meaningful, occasionally undermining, marriage-threatening, slightly pathological, platonic intimacy that can happen between women. So when you say, uh, you know, that you saw a best friendship,
0: that's what you saw in this trailer between these two. And that's me. Right, right. Other people, as we've established, might be seeing something else, but that's me and that's my interest in this movie. Beyond the golden rope and beyond the stunts, I'm really interested in this this girl Mm -hmm. who grew up only around women Mm -hmm. um, and who didn't know, like, how to interact with men. That was sort of the crux of the first movie, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And now we get past all that. And she goes out into the world um, away from this mythical island where all the women are loving and supportive. And she gets into the real world where friendships are complicated. Rivalries are weird. Right. And she has secrets to keep. And how does this look? Strip away the fucking superhero shit. And this is like, this is Kelly and
2: Brenda. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, this is what happens when, when humans get together, right? Things get complicated. And I'm super torn. I hear your point about, am I seeing this through a cisgendered heterosexual lens, right? Um, I think the answer is, to a certain extent, yes, of course. Uh, But I think, I feel a number of ways about that. Because on the one hand, you go, God, wouldn't that be great if there was queer representation in a comic universe, in the DC universe, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be exciting and groundbreaking and, you know, something we've never seen before? Yeah. Right? And I think that maybe the debate is whether it is being dangled there, being implied to… Right. Appease. Yeah. Or bait, right? Yeah. Like queer baiting is a known turn yeah. in, in entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know yeah if if they're going to tease it and then not pay it off that's unfortunate right, right? and then on the other hand i listen to what you're saying to what we're saying about this idea of these incredibly complex intimate female friendships mm-hmm. or female relationships yeah. that we also don't see on screen that often yeah and go, God, wouldn't that be amazing as well? Yeah. To go, yeah, they're not sleeping together per se. Yeah. But there's just as much emotion and rise and fall and and just like intimacy and knowledge. Yeah. And friendships are, especially female friendships, are often portrayed as much, much more simple on screen, yeah. right? Especially in a movie. You have 90 minutes to set yeah. it up and set it back down.
0: And that was the genius, if we're talking about Kristen Wiig, that was the genius of Bridesmaids. Well, I was going to go there. Yeah. It, it, Bridesmaids began to
2: scratch the surface, yes.
0: Yeah. It was a comedy, and I get it, and it appealed to a lot of people because, you know, you have the hijinks and the gross-out humor. But at its core, it was about two people mm-hmm. who were best friends. Mm-hmm. One was feeling a certain way about losing her best friend to a new life right, a new existence where she was getting married. And then along comes an interloper, maybe, and it became sort of a best friend love triangle. That would be the Rose Byrne character.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think uh, it had a bit of a Hollywood ending in the sense that Maya Rudolph says at some point, either in words or in paraphrase, but you're my best friend. You'll Mm -hmm. always be my best friend, right? Then that's the same thing that was said more or less in Book Smart, right? Yeah. You're my best friend, you'll always be my best friend. Right. The more complicated friendship yeah. or lack thereof happens in um in Ladybird, mm-hmm. where Ladybird doesn't have a best friend, you'll always be my best friend, friendship yes. in the same way, right? It's it's there, but it's not quite as overt. Uh and at the same time, we hear, oh, films like Ladybird aren't that important. They're not that exciting. They shouldn't yeah. be uh, up on screen. You know, um, Little Women is the natural conversation coming out of uh Ladybird, of course. Yeah. And we're going to have… We know what that story is. We're going to watch it anyway and devour it. But it's yeah. the, you know, the complication of the relationship between… Joe and Laurie, or the complication of relationships between siblings, which we've all accepted, are are similar. Yeah. And so I find myself waffling because I want this either way. I want this to be an act, like just a straight ahead queer love story or queer love attraction. Anyway, of like, look what this can look like. We can have this Mm -hmm. in a superhero film, and it just be an element. Yeah. And also just some super fucking cool scenes in a mall. God, I love how much malls are on screen now. I'm <laughs> yeah. so here for it. Or to go, yeah, this is a complicated friendship story that that scratches the surface of what is more complicated, as you point out, of, you know, relationships with adults and women and uh, what's his name? Chris Pine obviously shows up here and there's still… yeah connections between he and Diana and so forth. I don't know. Does he reanimate it? I don't know how that works. He's back to life somehow.
0: Well, it's funny because I know that he's back to life, but after seeing that trailer, I almost don't care because I'm curious about what happens to this friendship. How, uh, like, we're being set, th- this. if this is being set up this way, how it goes sour. And if it does really go sour. And, and what ultimately will that, What ultimately will Diana and Cheetah be? Well, okay, but imagine that, though. Imagine, like, I don't know a
2: thing about this part of the comic book lore, but, like, is there a world in which the Cheetah could be spun off into her own movie? Could she become the Captain Marvel in in three, five
0: years' time? I Fuck if I know. Like, I don't know the history there, but uh, my guess is that, like, if there's any comparison to be made. It would be like a standalone villain movie, like Venom. Okay, sure. I mean, yeah, great. But
2: imagine if that the backstory is they used to be lovers and they had a terrible fucking breakup and then they decided to take down the world from either side. That's great too. Isn't that amazing? I'm super excited about That's that. That's great too.
0: Or, I mean, if we want to get Shakespearean about it, like imagine if Minerva is actually Iago. Right, like like, yeah. trying to, to get Diana
2: to take yeah. down the world. like
0: always jealous, always, but we don't know what the motivation is, but mm-hmm. like always plotting. Everything bad like traces back to Yago. I mean, look, I will say this is easily the longest
2: conversation already that you and I have had about the motivations mm-hmm. in a superhero movie. Yes. We have talked about That's like… exciting. It's super exciting. Yeah. We've talked about scripts… We've, like, secret scripts going missing and yeah. we've talked about fucking green screens yeah. and whatever, but we've never until now talked about the motivations of yeah. characters because that's been, like, irrelevant.
0: No. It's and, been a non-factor. And the long-term ramifications. Like, if this is a friendship that goes sour, as you say, mm-hmm. then, then any friendship that goes sour as we all know, leaves a trauma in your life. Yeah. Or if it's a
2: relationship that goes sour. Yes. Right? I think the the distinction sometimes between the two is that people imply, well, you can make another friend, but the love of your life might never, you might never have another love like that. Do I agree with that? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you could see where that is a, a, you know, an attitude that people have.
0: But fuck, I mean, at the same time, this is uh, uh, this is what I really love about the moment where we're in now because so many stories are about giving that weight. Like, when we're talking about um, from Bridesmaids to Broad City to Lady Bird to, like, Fleabag. Fleabag season one was about literally a woman recovering from the loss of her best friend. Mm-hmm. And everything that she does, like all the fucked up shit… And that is funny, but stupid. It, it relates to the pain that she's feeling of losing her best friend. Not a lover, not a boyfriend, but her her girlfriend. An intimate person in her life. Her ride or die.
2: Yeah, but, but so little of that. You understand all those sentiments. And so little of that has to do with whether they mash their parts together or not. No,
0: exactly. So, and I don't know, like, you guys let us know. Whether or not this is, for me, let me know what you think of me. If this is queer insensitive, where I'm saying, I just care about these two women who clearly care about each other. I don't need it to be, as you said, mashing parts together. I don't need it to be overt. I just need it to be, if if it is about, if a lot of the story is about Diana meeting somebody, a girlfriend, finally, like her best friend, and something happening along the way, that to me is as good as… Anything else? I mean, I think that we know that three-dimensional
2: queer relationships, really three-dimensional, are still not seen on screen, right? The same way that uh, you talked a couple of weeks ago about Lena Waithe saying that a black love story is still not seen on screen. So we need more. Yeah. And at the same time, we need each and every project to be its own thing. Yeah. Right? What I am most excited about, what I think we can stamp and and be okay with saying is that this is a superhero movie with a three-dimensional examination of the inner and emotional life of uh, Diana Prince, mm-hmm. of Gal Gadot, right? Yeah. Not just a love story, yeah. but… It's necessarily a complicated emotional relationship, yeah. Even if it's only because she she loves uh, Cheetah, but she also loves Chris Pine, yeah. Right. Even if she's torn between the two of them, but the reason it exists, and this is where I'm going, is because Patty Jenkins, who busted her ass on Wonder Woman one, yeah, then got to write uh, the treatment and initially, anyway, a draft of this script
3: mm-hmm. that she
2: then directed. Because there is a woman who can see the inner life of Diana Prince, who sees her as more than just a superhero, then we get something that is necessarily more nuanced and more exciting. And which way it's nuanced is sort of yet to be discovered. Like, I think we can agree on that, yeah? Yeah. June 2020. I'm… like this is the first time I'm marking it in my calendar. <laughs> I feel like I've lost a certain kind of virginity. <laughs> June virginity is a construct. Whatever. Plus, we love the '80s. Okay, um, is it time for heads
0: up? Yes, let's do it. Hey, is there an like a category of the '80s? Ooh, that would be so good. Let me see if I've bought it. Uh, okay, I mean, no <laughs> pressure, but I'd really like that. Uh, no, Duanna, there is not. Okay. So, there is a Marvel category. I mean, I'm not… <laughs> let's not go too far. But if um, there's a category
2: called shopping oh, malls… Oh,
0: blast from the past. Let's do it. I'm buying it for $3.99. Thank you. Um, I stand should, by.
2: I will brag on your behalf and say that we were at a dinner of uh, 12 or 14 people on the weekend… Uh, and that you sort of single-handedly dragged them all into playing heads up, many of them reluctantly. And My almost, purchase was successful. Uh, congratulations. And almost everybody, I think, was a devoted convert by the end. Okay. Totally 80s. Oh, my God. Yes. Ready? I'm so ready. Okay. 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 The clue is play on… No, I'm kidding. All right. Oh, uh, they were an item of clothing that were uh, not tights, but on that leg warmers. Era. Yes. Uh, oh, this is a an album by U2, and it's a famous place. Joshua with, Tree. Yes. Uh, oh, Ricky Schroeder starred in this show about being wealthy. Oh. And I can sing the theme song, oh. except I can't because the words will give it oh. away. Oh. Um. He rode around on a train. Uh, not Ricky Rich. Skip it. Okay. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's most famous movie.
0: Terminator. Yes. Uh,
2: uh, uh, Wham, uh, uh. Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. George Michael. Uh, the other one. Um. um Careless Whisper. am sorry. No, not him, but, uh, braids. Andrew and Long oh, braids. Oh, um, uh, Boy George. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, a board game where you slam it and they eat marbles. Pass. Uh, oh, Tom Cruise's
0: underwear movie. Top Gun. Frisky business. I'm giving myself that one. Silver spoons. Yasik new silver spoons. Well done. One, two, three, four, five. Okay.
2: Oh, uh, they
0: were an item of clothing.
2: Okay. Now, I just want to remind you that in the words of Kathleen, I was very young in the 80s, so help me out here.
0: Oh, um, Ed McMahon hosted this show. Star Search. And Zach and... Tiffany. Oh, oh, Saved by the Bell. Yes. Um, um, Bruce Willis starred in this TV show about private detectives with Sybil Shepard. Uh, moonlighting. And you pour water on it and it grows. She a pet. I'm good at these clues. Oh my God. Uh, you thought he was the hot, who's the boss babysitter? Oh, Ugh. Tony Danza. <laughs> Baseball movie Kevin Costner. If you Field build it, dreams. they would come. The four women who lived together, and it was very happy, and they were elderly. Uh, Golden Girls. The thing that we used to wear around our waist that is cool again now. A fanny pack. Oh, pass. And the car in Back to the Future. DeLorean. Yes. I killed giving clues there. You can't tell me I wasn't a good clue giver there. Your clues were very clear, as were my guesses. Ding,
2: ding, ding, ding. I got… Okay, I have to… This is… You were great. Um, I got nine cards, but I have to say that the one you told me to skip near the end… Yeah. …was Rainbow Bright. Yes. It's my favorite… Oh, I just knocked the microphone. Yeah. Rainbow Bright was my favorite 80s toy and show of all kind of all time. Like I wanted to be Rainbow Bright before I wanted to be anybody else.
0: I love that we did an 80s one. I'm really happy about that. Anyway, everybody, thank you for listening. And for going on
2: this ride with us, let us know what you thought about SNL, about Rough Conspiracy Weeks at theories. Work, about uh, the Golden Globes nomination. We want to hear it all. And we will, again, read out some of your thoughts in the coming weeks, especially as
0: we wrap up our year end. Jesus. Um, thank you uh, for subscribing. And if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave reviews and comments. They really help us do our work. Until next time, please work hard. And we'll see you next time.
3: Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines.